When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. This is Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give, give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We truly appreciate it. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, that would be greatly appreciated. Do what you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. And also, my regular guest, in fact, I almost consider him a guest host, but he's a Blazer fan, so I don't know if he wants to really be associated with me in that fashion. So, <laughs> But go ahead and also subscribe. Give him some five-star love as well. But it is a great victory today for the Lakers, 116-108. to 108. Very strong second half. And again, I've got three awesome guests today. Of course, I've got my, my, again, my compadre in crime right now for the NBA playoffs. It is Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. You've got to go ahead and check out everything that he's doing today at NBA Draft Junkies. And also, a heads up, we're doing an NBA mock draft live on the air for Facebook Live and YouTube at people out there. So, Rafael, appreciate you joining me on the show once again. Not quite the, the, the second half that I think you were hoping for. Yeah, just ran out of gas. Looks like uh, it. It looked like it. Yeah, I thought the Blazers had an opportunity to win the game. It was just those. It felt like six straight plays of Caruso to Davis picking pops that just killed us. I want to ask you outside of that. I want to ask you this real quick. First half ended with the Blazers up by four. And mm-hmm. what kind of feeling did you have with the Lakers? missing 12 uh i think over 12 free throws in the first half also as well they they you know they had 10 turn uh, excuse me 12 turnovers they had 12 turnovers they had so many errors in the first half the lakers only had six points from anthony davis at halftime with those kind of statistics were you kind of nervous about what would happen in the second half a little bit but i felt like the blazers had zero production from their complimentary players also Mm-hmm. And I thought if we can get some type of contribution from Nurk, Mello, and Trent, then it would balance out, um, you know, the the Lakers' free throw attempts. And I think the Lakers are only like three for fourteen from three at the half, also. So yeah. I felt like the game could have went either way. Um, I don't know if you've been following me on Twitter, Laker Tom, but I've just been kind of going off about Mello and his his shot selection, and then he went on a, a streak where he went vintage mellow on us, but I just knew that you can't sustain that style of play. Not I mean, anymore. Yeah. yeah. Tough contested twos, 
And and then it's like I knew that once he hit a couple, then he was gonna go back to it. I don't know if he shot another three again the rest of the game. Yeah. And I feel like with Portland, the best way for us to win is with Melo spacing the floor as a three point shooter. I, I joked and said he needs to take lessons or, or watch some film of Anthony Tolliver or Ryan Anderson or even Channing Fry. We need Olympic mellow, not Nick's mellow. And it, it looked good for a second, you know, when, when he got hot. But I think it just wasn't we weren't able to sustain it. And but we needed that lift. But I just think at the end of the day, it came down to Blazers were gassed and AD turned it on in the second half. And uh, I thought Crusoe played excellent defense. And then LeBron came out like the LeBron I wanted, who I didn't want to see, but I <laughs> that I talked about in game one. And if he's playing like that, then the Lakers are, are tough to beat. Uh, passive LeBron, who's trying to get everybody involved, it makes, and, you know, as a Lakers fan, it makes us a little happier. But then KCP, he's he took a lot of heat on social media after game one, but he's bounced back. Two things I want to ask you before I hit up the other guests on the show, and that is this. Uh, number one, uh, when you're looking at Melo, when he did, he went off on that scoring spree. But was Jeff Van, Dunga, Jeff Van Gundy right when he stated that it might have taken the, uh, the other players, i.e. McCollum and Damian Lillard, who were playing so well in the first half, out of their mm-hmm. rhythm? Possibly. It's tough because the Blazers needed Melo to get going, and uh, we can't we can't beat the Lakers without him being a threat on offense. He just wasn't the type of he was scoring, but it wasn't the way that I think is conducive to the Blazers winning. So he may have thrown the guys out, uh, but then again, you can also say if he doesn't have that big third quarter when the Lakers went on the run, it could have turned into a blowout. So I don't. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer on that. And number two, early in the fourth quarter, when there was that play where it became like a three-on-three because nobody was hustling back on defense uh, on defense for the Lakers, like I.E. AD and LeBron, and then also Nurkic and someone else mm-hmm. on Portland, was it one of like? Did it feel like one of those YMCA games where these guys are running up and down just like <laughs> after a couple of times, and then you got like the four old guys like myself running in the back, you know, like ten minutes later, just walking up the the half court like we saw LeBron and Nurkic doing at that point in time. <laughs> yeah, that was that was to me a very very big possession. If the Blazers would have been able to capitalize on it, I think it could have swung the momentum a little bit. But who was it? Was it Danny Green, Caruso and Dwight? Yeah. They should have yes, cussed LeBron and AD out because that was I mean that was an amazing sequence. I mean, they made every closeout Dwight or change the shot at the rim. And I feel like that was a momentum breaker because if if we would have hit a three on that, then, you know, I'm thinking the other Lakers got to be looking at LeBron and AD cross side. Like exactly. this, is, this is on you guys. Yeah. So yeah, that, that just unfortunately didn't go our, our way. And but you know, it's Dwight also gives us a lot of points. Mm-hmm. You know, he gives us some free files, yep. and you know, whenever he's in, <laughs> he uh, that time. I mean, that was just a great defensive effort on that play. But it's so funny because, like I said, 
you know, we, we want to smack, of course, and rightly so, AD and LeBron for not hustling back. But again, it was three on three because the two other trailblazers, i.e. Nurkic, is exhausted and whoever else was with him back there, they didn't hustle either. <laughs> so it was just like, again, yeah. like it was one of those days at the YMCA where you're just like, okay, guys, you can come by, you can come back, come back, come on this side of the half court anytime now. So it was just kind of funny. It was kind of surreal to watch watch that for a second there because it was like a 10-second period of time where I think everybody was waiting for those other four players to come, and they didn't come. Yeah, I mean... I, and on one hand, I can see LeBron and those guys probably thought, well, Lillard and McCollum are going to shoot a three. But it was just that extra effort on the closeout yeah. that Danny Green and Caruso made that turned it from a fast break to a half-court set in a sense. So, yeah, they probably thought the shot was going up. And then with Dwight there, if he would have got the rebound on the mess, he would have threw an outlet and you would have had a – Or cherry-picking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm open. I'm open. You're lazy into theory picking very easily. It happens all the time. That's the thing. Yeah. When, I, when I, I used to hustle back like that, I used to, you know, when I was younger, I used to go ahead and do that. And I would get the rebound and I would, you know, I could outlet because I could really pass. And I would see that guy who didn't get back, who's cherry picking. I'm open. I'm open. I would be so angry and I would just fight myself. Do I want to pass it and make this guy happy for cherry picking and doing nothing? Or should I just go ahead and take the ball up? And it just, I would have that conflict for like a half second, just like, ooh, I don't want to pass it to him, but oh my gosh, he's open. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But yeah. When you got to cherry pick, you got to take it. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> well, I, I think sometimes, I mean, it depends on if you consider it cherry picking or not, but I feel like at least this series, and I'm watching the Lakers really closely. AD does that a lot, especially if they have him on an island with one of the guards. He's going to contest, and he's leaking out. And I don't know how many times that they've done that, and that's why I'm thinking in my head. If you have AD on the island, if you're Lillard or McCollum, just pass it to somebody else. Because if you miss, it's going to be a wide-open dunk on the other end. So whether you, that could be considered cherry-picking or not. Well, it depends on who it is. If it's J.R. Smith, you say, oh, man, he's cherry-picking. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if it's AD, 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 AD hits the floor all the time, and, and you'll notice there's a lot of those long passes that LeBron hits to AD are when he goes down on the ground and when he drives to the basket and misses a shot, everybody goes down to the other end of the court, and when LeBron gets that ball, he knows that AD is down there. Still there. Yeah. yeah, so that's why I said it may be a little bit part of their offense. I mean, they I feel like they get at least four to six points per game off of yeah. that between AD and Dwight. Didn't he? Well, you saw Portland do that too, which is Portland was doing what was one of my strategies for, for defending Damon and CJ, which is basically every time they shoot, take off. You know, yeah. it, it's it, it's disconcerting to the player when you know that man. If I don't, if I miss that shot, my defender's just down there cherry picking on me. Well, yeah, uh, especially when you have those, you know, Dwight or AV or even LeBron down there yep. that you know it's going to get the rebound. So yeah, I mean, it's a smart strategy. Well, before well, I mean, oh, and, and, go ahead. I just wanted to ask you this. Uh, but you know, Sean Grice is also here. He is from Lakerholics.com as one of the blog editors. And I wanted to ask you real quick before you go ahead in your statement, my friend. Wanted to ask you this. Didn't Sacramento Kings, didn't their owner wanted to play a style of offense like that with the cherry picker uh, that was just all the way on the other side while it was a four-on-five on, on the offensive end? Yes, I seem to recall that as well, Gerald. Okay, maybe that's what the Lakers are doing. Maybe that's what the Lakers are doing. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I was just gonna gonna add to what uh, both other guests were saying. Um, you know, AD's offense is so is so multi layered. I mean, he hasn't had a game yet, and we're up two one, where he's had all three levels of uh, manufacturing points. You know, in game one, he didn't shoot from the field very well, but he went to the line 17 times. In game two, he was able to manufacture points off offensive rebounding. Um, Motor points. Space. <laughs> and uh, in this game, you know, he missed both his three-point attempts, but he was six for nine of uh, outside of 18 feet. And when he's yep. able to create that amount of space, uh, hitting a jump shot, it's it's almost like trying to respect uh, somebody like Pat Mahomes or Lamar Jackson's ability to throw in the pocket, but be elusive and and you always have to have somebody on him at all times because he's able to manufacture offense in a myriad of ways. And also here with us today is the man himself behind LakerHolics.com. I know him as Tom Wong, but you guys out there know him as Laker Tom. And Laker Tom, usually I'm not able to keep you quiet for the first 12 and a half minutes of this show. And even though you did get to pipe in a little bit, but I want to hit you up on this. Raphael was worried about LeBron having that scoring mentality, and he did today for 38 points. Also, AD in that first half, despite his mighty struggles from the free throw line and also as well overall with a six-point first half, still came back strong in the second with some nice elbow jumpers from both sides, which was just truly beautiful to watch. So I want to hear your thoughts on the overall performance for the two in that second half and the fact that the team got together so well on the defensive end and played, and Portland for in many ways played right into their hands. Well, you know, it's kind of an interesting game because uh, I was hoping, you know, I, I'm not one of those guys who likes to see a close game, not when the Lakers are involved. I generally <laughs> prefer a blowout, you know. Um, but you want a tough series. Yeah, exactly. Blowout. <laughs> yeah. Well, I okay. One of the reasons that I felt that we were good to play the Blazers is I knew they'd probably <laughs> give us a couple of tough games and they've given us two tough games. Um, but, I, but I still prefer a blowout. But I think that the Lakers, uh, this, was a, this was a game where it really showcased the stars on both teams. I mean, Lillard and McCollum, 62 points between them. And, and LeBron and AD, I think, had 69 points between them. Um, but most of that for the, for the guards was in the first half. They were truly the excellent. Always, the, game, the game's always won, really, in the second half, unless somebody just blows somebody completely out. And the Lakers' defense in the second half really shut down. Yeah. McCollum and, and Lillard. Um, and so you have to say, that, you know, if you look at the reasons for what's going on, this was a game that could have been a Blazers win because of the Lakers really playing subpar in some major areas. The main area being free throw shooting. 28 for 43, they missed 15 free throws. First half with turnovers, 12 turnovers in the oh, first half. Now, now I'm, I'm willing ridiculous. to cut AD a little bit of slack there because – did improve his free throw shooting this year. I mean, of all the things he could improve upon, he was yeah. shooting eighty five percent when he normally he went from eighty. He went from eighty to eighty five. You're damn right, Sean. As a big, a big jump. Yeah. So and he, and he announced he was going to do it too. He announced yes, he, he did. Really he really put his mind on his to it. So, 
I'm willing to cut him a little bit of slack, but yeah. I was yelling at him all game long. <laughs> yeah. So every time he went to the line, it was like, oh man. Yep. So anyway, I, I think you got to take the hats off for the Lakers, the defense. The defense, the first half was okay. Uh, they still were not closing out. The big men weren't closing out enough. But the hard hedges in the second half were beautiful. And, and they really bothered them on a lot of shots. Um, they won the superstar battle. They won the defensive battle in the second half. They cleaned up on the boards. And despite missing bunnies after bunnies in the first half, LeBron and AD both kept attacking the basket. Um, and that's what got them to the line, got, got them shooting 50% from the field. Um, and so they dodged, you know, they dodged what could have been a disastrous game when you miss 15 free throws. I mean, the Blazers missed one free throw. Um, so that's a Achilles heel for the Lakers, and they got to be careful of that going forward. But I, this was a good win. Um, the Lakers took their pedal, took the pedal off of the medal in the first half. They got off to a bad start again. Um, I was pleased to see Danny Green hit a couple of threes and then play some much better defense this time. Yes. Not uh, what Raphael said about Alex Caruso. Mm-hmm. He was the third man tonight uh, with his defense, his passing, uh, uh, 10 points. Uh, that's unusual for him. He had a couple of threes. Um, so the Lakers are in good position. And uh, despite all of the criticism that I'll, I keep giving uh, Frank Vogel for his offensive sets and his offensive philosophy, uh, I thought it was stupid that when they when the Blazers went with Whiteside and Nurchik to start the game, I said, Jesus, I would have immediately put in Kuzma and gone small on those guys. Um, but uh, despite all of that, uh, I've got to give kudos for the defense that the Lakers played and the focus that, that they have and the job that uh, that the entire staff has done in getting them to play that championship defense. They went into the game with a 94 defensive rating, which was five points better than any other team in the playoffs. Um, they probably slipped up to maybe 97, 98 today because they allowed a few points. Uh, and it was pretty amazing, too, that the Blazers wanted to seem to – it's almost like the gamblers were – I can't wonder what the spread was on the game as they kept making those baskets, giving them those easy baskets at the end of the game. Um, but the Blazers got nothing to be ashamed of. I thought they played extremely well. They came in after getting blitzed uh, in, in game two and – and gave the Lakers all they could handle for, you know, 40 minutes of the game. And I saw that in the first half. I saw the intensity there for Portland. Uh, they were doing a lot of things right. The Lakers were doing a lot of things wrong. But as I spoke to Raphael earlier about this, I think that so much went right for the Portland Trailblazers and so much went wrong for the Lakers in the first half, yet the the Lakers were only down four. Only a 14 game, right. What I want to ask you this, Raphael, I think um, 55 to 38 on the boards, to me, that was a real key because the Lakers owned the defensive boards. Offensive boards, yes. They, they Obviously, there were a lot of putbacks for the Lakers, but I really think the fact that they cleaned up on the defensive end on their rebounding, I thought that was a key that there were very few second chance points for the Portland Trailblazers tonight. Yeah, that was key simply because we had to keep Nurkin when he was dead tired. Because the Lakers kept getting those tap outs. So I don't know how many times the Blazers played good defense and they got a missed shot, but they the Lakers kept getting a tap out and they kept getting second possessions. And so I think that he wanted to rest Nurk, but who was he going to put in? Because Whiteside was yeah. that. Did he have five fouls? Uh, I'm not sure. 
But um, yeah, I mean, he just didn't have another option. I mean, to to put in because even if they would have taken Nurk out and had Whiteside in with Melo at the four, which I think is our best offensive lineup, we really only had one guy that can can rebound, and the Lakers probably would have killed us on the glass. So even though I thought earlier in the series the big lineup worked to our favor as a Blazers fan. Today, it, it worked against us because we got killed on the glass. And Nurk was just, I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was as bad as the game against the Nets when they got all those rebounds in the last two minutes because he just couldn't get a rebound. His face was red, but it was close. I mean, he was gassed. He was throwing up flip shots when they trapped Dame instead of going to the basket hard um we've already talked about the play where he didn't get back i mean i don't even think he made it past the free throw line on that play yeah and then uh yeah he just was totally out of gas which can be expected he hadn't played in a full year and he's playing heavy minutes and so um but you know it's just tough i mean the the lakers size killed us Eventually it did. It wore your guys down on the Portland end. And that's also the fact that you don't have much in the way of depth, too, at this point in time. Because Simons, I still think he's a little bit too young and is showing to yeah. me it's so far in the playoffs. Still green in the ears there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, that? oh, he said he was still green, uh, you know, as far as a little, little wet behind the ears, I guess, as far as green, whatever, you know, type mm-hmm. of. Uh, he, he's young. He's young. He's what, 20? 20? Mm-hmm. 21 might be 20. Yeah. Him and Trent are both yeah. in their second year. Yeah. 20, I, 21. But I, what I didn't mention was, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, I thought the Blazers strategy in the first half. I liked it. I figured if you beat AD up and just keep playing physical with him, then He's going to, he's not going to be as aggressive. And in the first half, he had what, six points? He got yeah. to the free throw line a lot, but he was on the ground. Yeah. And they beat him up. It was physical. I felt like the Lakers' rhythm was off. But then he got a couple easy baskets to start the second half. And he got his confidence going. I think he got his first basket, may have been a driving dunk. Then he got another one. And then the motor start going. Cause I felt like in the first half when he was getting beat up, his motor wasn't running. Yeah. And, and, I, and I was free throw shooting too. Yeah. And I told my friends, I was like, all I right, mean, he's going to come out shooting. Jumpers out second half. Free throws, his first six free throws. I've never seen that from him. Yeah. yeah. And I think the only way to stop him is to just get physical with him and beat him up because he always says that he doesn't like playing the five. So, well, you notice that in the first half when Portland was pushing him around, he was being adversely affected by it. You could tell. You could tell in his face. You could see the fact that they weren't giving him the calls. And he, even off the ball plays and just you know them making extra effort on Portland's end to push him around and to give mm-hmm. him some shots, he wasn't liking that at all. Yeah, but then you can't give him a couple easy baskets in the second half. And once the motor gets running, I mean, he has a – a V12 Bugatti <laughs> engine. <laughs> he doesn't stop. You want if you can at least get him to like a Mercedes Benz engine, still great. You have a chance. But when that Bugatti engine is rolling, tough. If he if he had the attitude of Charles Barkley or some other player who really wanted to play inside, 
I mean, I love I loved when he starts hitting those mid range shots as much as I hate mid range twos. Um, but for him, they're like free throws. You know, eighty five percent percentage if he's left all alone like he is there with Nurkic yeah. covering. But man, I, was helping I, I over wish, Caruso. I wish that he would play the five all the time. Um, even even in the first half when we came back after after Portland got the lead, it was him at the five because it opens up everything completely when when you've got a. You know, overall, what I, I think it is about about him and really not wanting to play the five for you know at least thirty minutes a game. I think it's just attrition. I think he just doesn't want to put his body in a compromising position at at that at that spot. Um, to go I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's true because I think I've been thinking about this a lot, and I remember all of the conversations. Uh, you know, when he signed with the Lakers, and you know, he clearly said, you know, hey, in the playoffs, I don't mind playing a five. I don't mind playing a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to point out. In the playoffs, he said he would. So but I, I the thing is, that what he loves to do, what he loves to do more than dunking is shooting those mid-range shots. Definitely. And the threes, uh, you know. I, I was uh, just gonna, sorry, Tom. I was just gonna yeah. build off what uh, what uh, our friend from uh, Raphael, uh, the Blazers, had to say. Um, it it it's just a war of attrition out there right now. Little's gone. Uh, Collins is gone. The depth that just isn't there right now, and they he has to find something. So, I mean, maybe they can find magic in a bottle with. Uh, with something else, but they they need to work on something. We're we're seeing the same thing in the Denver uh, Utah series. I mean, no Gary Harris, no Barton, and you know, Spot has just been able to pick off whoever he wants in that race. And Jamal Murray's having a tougher time. At least that's my perspective. So I'll close you out with this, Raphael. Uh... For the upcoming game on Monday, I mean, Lillard and McCollum are going to have to have more put on their shoulders, I think, going forward. Your assessment of that? Uh, because I think at this point in time, you, if you're going to get vintage mellow for only maybe a few minutes, and Nurkic, because of the fatigue factor, isn't going to give you a whole lot. Gary Trent, he's a, he's a complete wild card. He seems to feed off of the others when they're playing well. So I want to hear your thoughts on how much more has to be put on Lillard and McCollum's shoulders to get a win on Monday. A lot. I mean, I think they're playing fine. It's just a supporting cast. Nurk hasn't been able to put together a good series. I mean, he had a great first half in game one where he had like nine rebounds in the first quarter. But he hasn't played well. Gary Trent is not getting the open looks. And, I mean... I know he's got to be worn out guard LeBron. I admire him for taking the challenge. He's competing. He's trying to make LeBron work. And they even drew a couple offensive fouls on LeBron, which you, you never see. But he has to – I mean, they just have to be able to knock down shots because I feel like if Trent and Melo are on the floor and they're spreading out the defense, it allows the Blazers to kind of loosen up Anthony Davis a little bit. Yeah. But if – you know, he's he's the wild card because he covers so much ground. And if they can get the ball, in, like if they're going to trap Dame, if they get the ball into Nurk in the middle and he's going up strong and making plays, it opens up the, the corner three. And if the corner three is not there, then you make one more pass and it should be open look for Trent, which is kind of like 
what they did in the at the end of game one when Trent hit a big three and Melo hit a three is because they got in the paint and they were able to make the extra pass. Haven't had those looks. And if Gary Trent and Melo aren't getting open looks, then the Blazers offense kind of struggles. I mean, Melo, like I said, he had his, his run today. I just knew he wouldn't be able to sustain it. And so, yeah, I think uh, Lillard and McCollum are going to have to have 30 points each, but they're just going to have to get another big performance from another Blazer. And I, I don't mean, I don't know who it's going to be. Like on paper, Melo looked like he had a good game, but he yeah. was two for 11 in the first half. Yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, I want to close out with uh, you, Laker Tom, but Sean, real quick. Uh, when it comes to Danny Green's performance, he's decided to join the playoffs uh, with yeah. a with a very solid performance we'll today. Playoffs. So let yeah. me hear your thoughts on him and how important it is for him to go ahead and be effective for the Lakers. Well, his three point shooting is essential, Gerald. Let's let's be frank about that. They they really need him to knock down threes. Uh, last year in, with the the Raps. Uh, there were a few games in the playoffs where, you know, it was it was ghost Danny Green in the playoffs. Zero points. Uh, like Tom said, he would have the occasional, you know, mental mental brain fart a few times during a game. And when he's consistent like this and he gives you those consistent, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes, it's a boon for the spacing. It's a boon for the defense. And... More especially, it's a boon for LeBron and AD. I'll tell you what, uh, that's a great assessment right there, but from both you, Raphael, and you, Sean. And closing it out with you, Laker Tom, one of the news that came out just before the game was that Rajon Rondo <laughs> was going to play, but as you can see, they showed the video of it. And I'm not going to let you know, Raphael. I, I'm not going to say otherwise, you know, how my affection or lack thereof for Rajon Rondo on the floor. But when you have back spasms, that hurts. That it hurts immensely as someone who has two herniated discs in his back. As he knows very well how much that hurts. I will say this, Laker Tom, if he comes in and plays on Monday, uh, do you really want that? Because, it, you know, I don't know if he's going to be able to play effective enough defense to stay on the floor because he's going to be chasing around either McCollum or Lillard, and I don't know if he can actually guard either. Um, I don't expect Rondo to play much in this series at this point in time, considering the fact that he's had these back spasms, which probably come from trying too hard to get back in shape after coming off of an injury or a period of back to inactivity. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. It's kind of interesting. I think I think one of the things that sort of jumped out at me is that, and I think Raphael was talking about this in his last 
little spiel. Everybody keeps talking about who's the Lakers' third star and how they need a third star that comes up. And Frank Vogel, of course, says it's my committee. You know, we different guy every game. Um, and the problem, the problem a little bit that the Blazers have is that they've got that problem, but they've probably got it in a little tougher situation than the Lakers do because who is the third star? Against inferior teams, it could be mellow. Um, their problem, though, is that it, it makes it a lot harder for, and it's something that I think that they have to address strategically from the front office. It, when you've got two guards like Lillard and, and, and McCollum, I don't know if the best matchup is to be playing two big men. Not in today's game, you know, because you have a choice. <laughs> every, every time they try to attack, though, every time they try to attack, there's two guys inside, and it's the same problem that I see with the Lakers. The Lakers play much better, and I'm sure the stats tomorrow will show the same thing that they did on the game uh, on on Thursday, which is that when AD plays the center position, it opens up a lot of things. It opens everything up for LeBron to attack and and so forth. And I think the Blazers' problem is the same thing that the Lakers have, that it's easy to trap their guards because, for one thing, they're putting a center out there who's not going to really be a threat to pick and pop. Um, I thought that they should have played a lot more by putting guards out there to pick for each other. I would have liked to see McCollum and, and Dame run a pick and roll themselves or a pick and pop themselves. Um, but basically what's happened is that the center, the, the Blazers don't have anybody who can take over in the center when that pass comes into Nurchik. If he slides off or slips that pick or he rolls on the pick, he doesn't, he doesn't do well. Um, there's a big, Tim from Cranjus Basketball had, had an excellent analysis of Nurchik's game on Twitter. And, and basically the problem is, is he's a great passer when he's out at the top of the key, not on the move, but he's not a good decision maker when he, is it when he gets the ball in the mid post and it's coming in, he, he doesn't really finish well and he doesn't really have good decisions on hitting a guy in the corner or, or hitting a cutter coming in. So, and, and that's why Draymond green is so special because yep. Yep. They, they, they won that series. Yep. Um, I forgot which year they won the championship when they trapped Curry and he could get the ball in the middle he could, I mean, he wasn't even looking to shoot, but the fact that he was catching it on the move, going downhill, collapsed the defense, throwing a lob, kicking it out. It's, and, it's the same thing with the, the Pacers and the Heat series. I mean, if Sabonis is playing, you have that read option at center. It mm -hmm. opens a lot of things up. Absolutely. And it's like very few teams have that option. And that's yeah. why even when I do my draft stuff, I look at a guy that I wonder could – could he play that role? He doesn't necessarily have to be a superstar, but if he can fill that role, he makes everyone around him better. I mean, look at Bam, what he's doing in Miami. Absolutely. And so, like, I think Nurk is, like you said, a good passer at the top of the key. And the Blazers roster is just so imbalanced because, one, when he was hurt, they knew that he wasn't going to be able to play until maybe playoff time. So they had to make a trade for Whiteside just to kind of save the season. And then once him, Whiteside, and Collins came back, you had three guys who I think are centers. I don't think they should ever play together. None of them can pick and pop either. That's the problem. And Collins is supposed to. 
Um, but we didn't really get a chance to see him this year if he's worked on his shot. Nurt can a little bit, but I mean, teams are going to give him that shot. Yep. And uh, Whiteside is is definitely not. I mean, he's not a good decision maker at all. Like he needs to only catch the ball at the rim and just kind of throw it up. He's like our version of Dwight in a sense. You don't want him to make any decisions, do anything on the move, put the ball on the floor, any of that. And so I think going forward, I mean, the, the Blazers should have like the 16th pick in the draft, and they should be able to address that. And then having Ariza and Rodney Hood back. For you guys. Yeah, because he could be our small ball four. Yep. Well, and losing yeah. Little is huge too. Well, he hasn't played. I mean, he hasn't played, but I actually never was a big fan of him. I felt like his game was, his hype was based off of he shut Zion down in some, I think a McDonald's game or something like that. And his, <laughs> they thought he was a top five pick. He didn't start at North Carolina. And, you know, I don't even know if he's an NBA prospect, if he doesn't have that pre-draft hype coming into college. So I don't think he's a, a big loss, but, and then when Whiteside and Hazonia on the court together, it's like, mm, this. And, I, and that's the thing too. I want to say is Herzonia <laughs> hasn't given you anything at all. He, he just is there, and it, it just the Lakers have no respect for him at all when he's out there on the court. And well, he's I, so talented. Like he's athletic. He can pass a little bit. He's he's capable of making shots. He has such a you know a toolbox of skills, but he's never been able to put it together. I mean, I think he was a top five or six pick. And he still gets jobs based off of his talent. But, yeah, with him and Whiteside on the court together, it's just like, all right, Lakers, please have Dwight on the court. And whoever <laughs> makes the stupidest plays, <laughs> it's like, you know, you hope that they all kind of offset each other because, yeah, like Dwight gives yeah. us some some points and some possessions. Over and, under you know, three on the offensive fouls. But go ahead, Sean. Right. Yeah, no, I was going to say with uh, Hazonia, I think, Start out his career in that situation was, you know, sometimes with a guy, if he's in a bad situation, kind of stun his growth and maybe not only put him behind a couple years, but maybe maybe he loses a little bit of confidence here and there. I think that's what happened with him. It reminded me a lot of what happened to Darko in Detroit, honestly, with Larry Brown. Yeah, who was Hazanya start off with Orlando? Yeah, his first team. Yeah, yeah, and you know they weren't really, you know, they really didn't match his style of play. I thought at that time. I, I see. I don't know his style of play is. He's talented, but he doesn't have that one thing right. that you can say he brings every night. Like I would rather have a Jared Dudley type. At least I know if Jared Dudley gets in the game, he can knock down open shots. I don't know what Mario does. I don't know what that one thing that you can count on him to do every night. And so garbage time. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing though, with these Swiss army knife guys, you got to find uh, somewhere where they can blend in. I, I mean, yep. look, look at a guy like Fred Van Fleet. I mean, he went undrafted. I still can't believe that happened. And now he probably going to cash in on at least 20 plus when you say Raphael. I think so. But at least you knew he could shoot. You knew he was small, but you knew that he could knock down shots. So I don't think Herzonia has that. He may he may need a special situation. Um, kinda like 
You know what? I, I, I'll say this. I think Horton Tucker is similar in a sense. If he doesn't develop an outside shot, then he's going to be one of those guys where it's going to take a very, very special fit for him to be able to contribute. He can defend, but in today's NBA, if you're a great defender, but you don't bring anything on offense, it just kind of eliminates what you do on defense. So he's a guy that I feel like was drafted because he has so many things that are intriguing as far as like him pinning a point guard. He can play the point. He has these long arms. His body type allows him to defend multiple positions. And it's up to the Lakers to just kind of, you know, refine his skill set. And if they can, they have a weapon. He could be that guy that plays the four and you put him in the middle of the zone like a poor man's Draymond. But if he can't be a respectable shooter, then it just kind of eliminates what he does well. Well, again, there's a lot to think about going forward on Monday's game. It'll be, uh, like I said, uh, a very important must game for the Portland Trailblazers because the Lakers are now up 2-1 to one after a 116-108 victory. Uh, kudos, like I said, to everybody involved as far as a great second half for the Lakers. But Rafael and I, and hopefully Laker Tom and Sean, will be back on Monday to talk about that. But there are more great games to talk about in the NBA playoffs. And also, everybody out there, please, if you get a chance, check out Rafael Barlow's great site, NBA Draft Junkies, for all the great updates that he gives on the NBA Draft. Also, as well, you check out Lakerholics.com right here. Lakerholics.com gives you the latest and greatest going on with everything Lakers, including podcasts from the Lakers Fast Break, videos from Rafael Barlow, blogs from Sean Grice, a.k.a. Magic Man, and Jamie Sweet, and so much more. It is Lakerholics.com, so please check out their work that they these guys all do for those various sites. And, of course, I want to mention again, we're doing an NBA mock group draft 3.0 available that's going to be available, I believe, on Raphael's site for YouTube, NBA Draft Junkies, and also as well, you want to go ahead and, and check it out on our social media as well, Lakers Fast Break. But I want to go ahead and hit up on the other playoff games to, of note for today. And actually, you guys were talking about it earlier in regards to Miami and Indiana. Uh, Miami pulled out the win. Indiana made it close. They stayed within the range, but they pulled uh, Miami pulled out a 124 to 115 win which gives them that 3-0 advantage now. It looks like, again, it's all but over at this point in time. And, Sean, your impressions of that game. I mean, right now, Miami is looking very strong with Duncan Robinson hitting from the outside and, obviously, Butler just doing a number all over the floor. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Duncan Robinson has been sensational. Um, There's no other word for him. Um put him anywhere on the floor he can hit a shot he's he's very similar to like a Travis Kelsey or George Kittle he can pretty much do it all out there he can be a shooter he could be a decoy he could screen a little he could do a little like he's just a Pat Riley and faux player and uh, when you add a guy into the mix like that and you bring in a guy like Drake Crowder and before the bubble, he was shooting what, like well over forty-two percent from deep. Uh, add in a Bam Adebayo, as we were talking before, he's a that read option center, can pass, can shoot. Um, it, it's just too much for Indiana, and I think it was one, two, three, Cancun. One thing I want to ask you, Rafael, real quick is T.J. Warren. He was such a dynamo in the first games in the NBA bubble. 
uh, did not give you the kind of uplift that you need. He didn't take over the game, and, and I think Indiana really needed to get his next-level performance because, like we saw in those eight games in the bubble, uh, it was actually something that they could build upon. But let me ask you this. TJ's Warren's performance now, is that more realistic of who the player he is? And the eight games that he played was just a hot game you know, here and there and is more of a fluke? Or is it something that they can build upon going forward for the future? His bubble birth. Yeah, kind well, of. I think he does have plantar fasciitis. So I think ever since it has been announced that he has that, it's kind of explained why his play has has declined. But I think when he's healthy, he's an absolute mismatch at the four spot because if you He's a one-on-one player. How many teams have a guy at the four that their game is based off of playing one-on-one? You can run isolations for him, and he can score on all three levels. Uh, But I I definitely think that this series is over, and they they would have needed him to be the same player he was in the the seeding games for them to have a, a chance, which they don't. But I'm really concerned about Oladipo's future because he is he's not a free agent this summer, but if he doesn't sign the extension, you have to wonder how dedicated he is to the Pacers. So for them to get swept in the first round, gotta be a little gotta be a little nervous there in uh oh, in the Pacers front office. Let me ask you this, Laker Tom. They were a better team when they had Savonis healthy than and Oladipo was out, and, and that's part of the problem that they played better as a team. But then again, T.J. Warren cannot play the four because you've got Miles Turner in there. So that yep. that brings the question up now, Raphael. Would you trade one of those big guys, Turner or Sabonis? Yeah, I think so. Oladipo first. Well, here's the scary thing, and I had mentioned on Twitter, is that Golden State has the number two pick, and they also have the Timberwolves first-round pick for next year, which I don't think any of us see the Wolves as a playoff team. So that's like back-to-back lottery picks that I feel like they can package to get another stud. And, I, I mean, I'm not saying like Turner or Sabonis to be their first option, but I, I think like somebody like Embiid or or Giannis or somebody like that would be who they're you know try to go after. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if they end up settling for one of the Pacers bigs. That wouldn't shock me as well. Get Giannis uh, or really superstar. I think just those two picks, you know, uh, is probably not enough. But you have to throw in Wiggins' contract yeah. to to make it work and. Yeah. Or whatever, but, but yeah. can get, they can get somebody who's not going to be Kevin Durant. You know, it'll be somebody that, uh, yeah, you know, they could get an Oladipo, for example, I think for that package. Yeah. Uh, maybe they could get a uh, Zach uh, Levine, possibly. Oh, uh, no, they Draymond would choke him as soon as he were <laughs> contested, too. No, <laughs> yeah. Turner would fit. Turner fits with what they're doing because he's a big man, they wanna, block they shots. Floor. And Turner's Turner's perfect for that situation. But he yeah. can also shoot the three, which is yeah. something that is very, very uh, attractive to a lot of teams out there, especially if you've got the assets that Golden State does going forward. So, again, yeah. that is uh, the so Heat. Me too. 
Well, let me ask you I this, Tom. That almost as much more than they need a point guard. Well, let me ask you this, Tom, real quick, and we'll go on to the next game. Do you think the Heat can match up well against the Bucks? Because it looks like, like I said, for all intents and purposes, we're going to be seeing a Bucks Heat matchup in the next round. That's going to be good. It's going to be a great. That's going to be a great series. But I, I still think the Bucks are going to prevail there. I, I think the real threat. I think the real threat is the Raptors. Well, there you go. There you go. I, I think they will give everything and more to the Bucks. I mean, it, Jimmy Butler, if he is playing at that level or anywhere near what Atentacupo is playing at, because you know he will be motivated enough. Uh, Miami has enough outside shooting that can actually really, well, really do well. Because that's for sure. Because both teams are both teams are filled with three point shooters. It's kind of scary because both teams basically allow other teams to shoot a lot of threes too. Exactly what I was going to say. It's going to be for me, which coach makes threes for sure. Well, it's going to be for me, which coach makes the adjustment to guard the three a little bit better, I think will be the key for whoever wins that series. But yes. And and that's to me where the, the matchup would favor me, the heat. I think Spo is a better X's and O's coach on the defensive end than Bud is. I mean, Bud was yeah, an got the best defense in the league. Right, but la- I remember last year they were they a, a double OT win away from going up 3-0. And then, I mean, that would have been lights out for the Rats. Yeah. If they had gone down 3-0. But they won that game, and Nurse pulled out a few rabbits out of the hat, and, and Bud got confused, let's be honest. And we'll go quickly yeah. over. Oh, go ahead, Rafael. Go ahead. I think Miami can win that series because Adebayo can match in a half court. I think he can match Giannis step for step and just kind of, you know, bounce off of him. You know, like when Giannis, you know, a lot of guys kind of, well, I say he can chest to chest him and then he's not going to fly back when Giannis puts his shoulder down. And then Miami's just tough as nails. I mean, they have a few guys whether it's Crowder or Bam or Jimmy Butler, those guys that can just kind of make it a little physical. I think it's going to be a interesting series. But what's interesting is that the rumors are Miami is targeting Oladipo and Giannis. If they eliminate both of those guys, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of plays into their pitch of, hey, if you would have came with us, we could put this super team together. But when the Lakers take them down in the finals, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Well, well, I just don't think the Lakers have any money. I think they're they're kind of stuck. Yeah, that's going to be the issue. And with and with the salary cap the way it's going to be, Giannis doesn't sign that extension. He's gone basically. Yeah, but to yeah where? I mean, if you turn down a quarter of a million dollars, well, this is the year. Quarter of a billion. I'm sorry. The, the, this is it. This is it for the Bucks. If they don't win it this year, I don't see him signing the exemption. I really don't. No, and I do. I don't think he's got to trade him. Yeah, I think he's a loyal guy. You can't risk losing him for nothing. I I agree with I agree with Raphael. He is a loyal guy. I think the way he comes off, the way he acts, and what he says in the media, I don't think it's just lip service. I think he's a a very humble person by nature, and. 
<laughs> well, I, I, like I said, I don't think he will pass up the two hundred fifty million dollar uh, extension. I think it's two fifty, right? Or is it closer to three? It should be. Well, I mean, based yeah, pre-pandemic numbers, it, it would have been. It, right? it, it's enough. Let's just say that it's enough. Yeah. But, but we will go ahead and touch on real quick Orlando and Milwaukee. Milwaukee, I believe, won one twenty four to one hundred five, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, 121 to 107. Milwaukee won over Orlando today. Uh, again, Raphael, as I pointed to you out on the last time these two met up and Milwaukee destroyed Orlando, it was like, oh, look at Orlando. So cute. They won the first game. Thanks for playing. And now my and now Milwaukee's just going to go ahead on and win four straight. Yeah, Orlando's still missing Aaron Gordon. Yes. And... Um... You know, they it's Vukovic, it's Vukovic versus well, the world. Starters. Yeah. Uh Fultz can get into the lane, but he's not really a threat to shoot, so they're kind of sagging back on him. I think it's uh I mean it's kinda of good for Orlando's future in a sense. They competed, they were without Gordon and Jonathan Isaac. And um they competed. You know, they I'm just I'm a big fan of these teams competing because I and I've mentioned before, I was worried about guys after a month or so saying you know what i'm ready to go home i'm ready to pack it in like those aau tournaments when you have the (laughs) sunday morning game after you've played a bunch and you're not qualifying for the championship and so but orlando competed there i think the future's decent for them but i think this series is is over isaac being gone to me is the key isaac would have really I would have loved to have seen Isaac. Yeah, he's young. Yeah, he's inexperienced, but he has such he has, he has a lot of talent. And I'm just so worried for his future because of all the injuries that have happened to him this season. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a healthy Jonathan Isaac go at uh, you know at and and seeing what happens because they have similar body types. And I think I would have just and and similar similar athleticism. I would have loved to have seen that opportunity to see one play against the other. Yeah, but yep. one's 240 pounds and the other's 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. True. So True. That would have been, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, LeBron would have a better shot at, at containing Giannis. And that's why I think the Lakers, if they can get past the Clippers and the Rockets and, and put off the Blazers, that they'll, they'll have a better chance than anybody else would against Milwaukee. The last game we're going to touch on is. Oklahoma and Houston. Oklahoma pulled out the overtime victory, 119 to 107. And Sean, I want to hit you up first on this. And that is this. Uh, o- Oklahoma City, if you're a fan of that team, you should be very fortunate to be in this series at all because they were playing from behind virtually the entire game. Houston made mistakes down the stretch. And you know Oklahoma City they're that team that supposedly statistically is the best team in the clutch and for at least today they proved it they did they did but as uh Raphael said the, the other night the the game two loss was demoralizing uh, I still believe that I mean I think this was a case of just Houston made some some critical errors down the stretch and the Thunder have a veteran laden team that can take advantage of it with Chris Paul and and Billy Donovan in the huddle. So I I just think it was a case of the them catching the Rockets on a bad you know five minutes. Well, I'll tell you what, it was a great lineup. Bad five minutes when you get into the playoffs. 
Well, and yeah. I'll, I'll close out with this. Uh, Raphael, what can a victory do like this for Oklahoma City, a team which I think should put up a better fight against Houston? Because I know, and I understand Houston's small ball, throw it around the, the side, you know, as far as getting all the three-pointers and whatnot. But when James Harden is is as ineffective as he was in the first half, I mean, you've got to make a better imprint on the game ahead of time because instead of having to try to scramble back in that second half because it just seems to me you cannot let James Harden go. At least I think he missed his first seven shots from three. and You can't let him do that and still be out on top like they did. Well, I'll say this first. Lugans Dort just earned himself a lot of money. Yes. In the game today. The way he was able to slide his feet, stay in front of Harden, Harden couldn't body him up. And I, I mentioned to someone, I've never seen Harden in the post as much as I've seen him in this series. He's playing with his back to the basket because he usually has a quickness or a strength advantage. And in this case, he doesn't. On paper, it looked like he had really good numbers, which he did. Um, he didn't make a lot of threes, oh. and but he worked hard. He earned every basket that he had. And if Dort could bring anything on the offensive end, this would be a tougher series. Um, so I, I still think Houston wins, but I think Oklahoma City found something. I think that the way they bounce back from being down 2-0 is – I mean, it shows something. It shows that this team has heart. They have character because they could have easily packed it in. And then, um, you know, Daniel House missed a free throw that could have made it 3-0. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just it just shows how how narrow choices you have or, or how one small play could be the difference because they have to be confident that, you know what, I, we can compete with this Houston team. Hi, this is Mr. Holiday from the podcast, My Worst Holiday, and you're listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. So it was a great day of basketball for everyone, all, uh, you know, almost everyone involved. I know Raphael didn't think it was so great, obviously, but, uh, you know, anytime you can get four NBA games on a great Saturday like today, it, it was just truly awesome to see. And again, the Lakers pull out the victory 116-108 over the Portland Trail Blazers. They're up two games to one in the series, first round of the NBA playoffs. Sean, before we head on out, I want you to go ahead. What are you working on for Lakerholics.com? Uh, yeah, Gerald, I've got something coming up where uh, I'm doing player splits between uh, the great Irvin Magic Johnson, Jerry West, and LeBron James, and the parallels between, uh, you know, 
what can a player do in a game seven and uh, the disparity that we need to really look at game ones now in the playoffs. There you go. Laker Tom, what have you got in store for us? Because you've usually got a lot in store for us, for everyone out there that catches you on Lakerholics.com. So tell me, my friend, what do you have in store for everyone out there at Lakerholics.com? I've got an article that's going to come out tomorrow, um, basically raising the question of whether Kyle Kuzma could be the Lakers' future as a shooting guard. Um, Obviously, the problem that uh, Kuzma's had with the Lakers is largely that he, he's the two positions that he plays are positions held by the two superstars on the team, small forward and power forward. Um, and then there seems to be a reluctance of Frank Vogel to, to give him minutes uh, to move uh, AD to the five so that he could play one of the four or five, the, the three or four. But we've seen uh, Kuzma all of a sudden start to be playing excellent defense against twos. And he's had several good outings against twos. Um, defensively, he's among the top five defenders in the league at this point in time in the playoffs. Who'd have thought uh, that? You know, what yeah, three, yeah, four, yeah, with, five, six Crusoe, months ago. Along with Crusoe and Markeith Morris, um, so that, I think it's an interesting situation because part of the dilemma that the Lakers have is they don't have a starting natural starting spot for Kuzma, and yet he's good enough and talented enough that somebody's going to give him an opportunity to and the money to to be a starter. And I'm, I'm kind of intrigued with the idea of a six, eight shooting guard on the Lakers, a guy who can defend his position. And in the NBA, the position you can play is the position you can defend. And if he can defend twos, he could be a real factor. And uh, it could not only maybe for the Lakers, but also for somebody else who could see that same ability in his, uh, and he could become a much more valuable trade option. I'm disappointed that he's only getting 25 minutes a game. The guy, when you give him a solid 30 minutes a game, 33 to 32 or 33 minutes, like he got last year or in the nine games he's played this year, he's averaged 20 points per game, five assists and three and three uh, is or five rebounds and three assists. But if they move on to play Houston, he's going to play. Not getting minutes. I'm You're- sorry to cut you off. I was saying, if they move on to play Houston, he's going to play 35 minutes a game. Yeah, I think that's a big opportunity. Well, they they just cannot even start the game with McGee against Houston. That would be a travesty. And then the one thing about Kyle Kuzma you can say in regards to that, that's not such a bad idea, is the fact that, yeah, he needs to work a little bit better on his shooting and become more consistent there. But the fact of the matter is, who would have thunk this about a year ago as – Kyle Kuzma, the defensive stopper. I mean, it almost had to, you know, I feel like we're almost a DC fandom and it's bizarro world here because we are talking (laughs) about Kyle Kuzma in the defensive realm. But one thing he can do because of his size is he can switch. So if you switch him on a power forward or he gets switched upon a power forward, he can still hold his own, still can do that for three and still can even do that for one because he's guarded point guards during the course of the season as well. So he's got speed and length to recover. That's the big thing. And he's, and he's well, a good and, job and, staying and, in front of his man. Yeah. And let's be honest, what Tom is saying is correct. Uh, I, I mean, there are some scouts that just love him. They think he does like everything really well. Yeah. His shooting could be a little bit better. Passes the ball, face the floor. Like he's been rebounding well. Thing can rebound he could switch there's not a whole lot of stuff kyle doesn't do well it's just putting it all together 
Well, that's always been the thing with him. I'm going to disagree about his defense. If you surround me with on the floor with LeBron, a motivated LeBron, Dwight Howard, and Anthony Davis, oh, if no I question. get beat off the dribble... <laughs> no question. You're seeing me beat off of the dribble much, though. That's the point, Raphael. Well, I mean... Even tonight, even tonight his contests were excellent. He really... I, I agree. He, he I just, played great defense tonight. I, I agree. I just don't I know. Seen him get, you know, guys... I've seen him block a lot of shots from guys that he beats because he doesn't quit. Well, Raphael wanted to speak. Go ahead, Raphael. I don't know if he would be considered a good defender on another team because, like, Caruso can make those efforts and pick up full court because he has great help behind him. I mean, I think he's a good effort defender. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think Kuzma has improved as a defender, but as far as like the stats saying that he's top five, I just think that it's kind of. I don't think we're not there yet. I, I don't think we're there yet. I mean, we know that. I don't think yeah. we're there yet, but I think again, he is improved by leaps and bounds when he was he's absolutely not a liability anymore. Yeah, he no, was a sieve. Gives him an opportunity to guard the top scorers now. He was an absolute joke on defense last year. Let's put it out there. But this no, year, he, he's he's turned it around so much. I was just asking Tom at the beginning of last, you know, year this or this season, excuse me, that all I wanted to see was him become an average defender at best. And he's done even more than that for me. And that makes it much more entertaining to watch is that he's become a willing defender. He tries hard now. He never stand up the so before. Still, he has some lapses like he did today. He had a couple lapses where he just lets lets the player shoot and has his hands down. Got to go ahead and work on a couple of those things. But again, he's become more than a competent defender. And you're right. Frank Vogel has made it a mission to go ahead and put him against some of the toughest matches, matchups, backcourt or frontcourt in the league. And it's only made him a better defender for it. So that's going to be a great article. Looking forward to it. And Raphael, last but not least, my friend, I know there's a lot of great stuff that you're working on. And in fact, while you're going ahead and talking about what's coming up for NBA Draft Junkies, Want to go ahead and show everybody out there on Facebook Live what NBA Draft Junkies is all about. But before I get into that, I wanted to talk about Kuzma one more time. I think LeBron deserves a lot of credit for that, just for holding guys accountable. I don't think Kuz becomes the defender he is today if he's still on the team with, you know, the 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 baby Lakers team. Yeah, I agree. I think you have yeah, no choice but to defend. And if he doesn't, then even though they need his offense, they could he could easily find himself sitting the bench and playing less than 25 minutes a game or 20 minutes a game. So I think he had no choice but to defend. Yeah, he, he didn't have a choice to defend. I give him credit for accepting the challenge, but when you have a guy like LeBron holding you accountable on top of the other defensive guys on the team, then he, he didn't have a choice. But I think like... That's the difference between the guys that they traded. They, you know, they know they're going to play regardless if they don't defend or whatever. And they don't have that veteran that's going to hold them accountable. And that is going to make them winners. And LeBron has made Kuzma a winner, not just because he's LeBron and, you know, the team is going to automatically be better, but LeBron is taught Kuzma how to play winning basketball. And if you want to win a championship, you have to, you can't be pretty. You can't just worry about your shots and you got to get dirty and play defense. So I wanted to give 
Kuzma, LeBron, Vogel, everybody credit for that. I think it's a change of mindset. Having a great defense is that, and this is one of the things that Anthony Davis brought because LeBron hasn't played this kind of defense for the last three or four years. Yeah. Um, but Anthony challenged him to, to join him on the all defensive team. And I hope he does get it because I think he's been worthy of it. He's just played great defense. And when you've got two guys like that, my God, it does make a total difference. Just like Raphael says, uh, the peer pressure is one of the things that can change a lot of players attitudes toward the game and so forth. And then of course, Frank Vogel, uh, Dion Waters has been playing and we all know exactly why Dion's not playing. Yeah. Not, I think LeBron coming out West has made him have to play defense every night. I think he always knew in his mind, I can coast through the East where, you know, we're going to go to the finals every year, as long as I'm in the East, right. while in the West, you can't really take any days off. I felt like he didn't play defense last year. And there was, there was some play. I thought, okay, yeah, LeBron's getting old because he used to just kick his foot out and slide. Like if a guy was going to get by him, he just stuck his leg out and like pointed ball. and blamed someone else. But he has stepped up to the plate himself. And um, he's playing a lot much better defense this year. But I, I used to joke around and say, you know, this first year LeBron is in L.A. is a wash. I thought, like, he was just coming out to L.A. to make movies. He was coming out to, you know, whatever business endeavors he had. And then once he got a piece where he knew it was going to be a championship-level team, not just playoff team, but a championship-level team, he was going to step it up. And then he's refreshed this year. You know, he yeah. got his first break. Clutch <laughs> refresh. Yeah. So what's headed up yep. for you as far as NBA Draft Junkies is concerned, my friend? Because I know a lot of great stuff is there. I just showed a lot of the videos that you have in the offering right now. So what's coming up for okay. NBA Draft Junkies? Yeah, we got the live draft tomorrow. I did my mock draft lottery 2.0. That's doing pretty well as far as videos. I think I'm up to close to about 7,000 views. And I just put it up yesterday. So, um, you know, if the numbers keep going up, I've got a lot of comments on it and a lot of angry Knicks fans and, and so on, but I love the dialogue. And then I would do the second half of the first round, picks 15 through 30. I should have that up maybe Monday, probably Tuesday at the latest, but probably Monday. So I just wanted to uh, have those up back to back. And then, like I said, we have the the live Tomorrow we're supposed to have ten guys, and we'll do it live. So I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to that. I think that is that'd be pretty fun. You got a preview for the Lakers, Raphael? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, uh, I, I do. Um, just got to put it together. Give us a hand here. <clears throat> well, the the next video I do for the Lakers is um, like a stretch five, a big that could possibly help. But it's actually pretty tough because I think the Lakers would have to reach for a guy. Yep. And in the second, a guy that is projected to go mid second round to get a stretch five, unless someone falls. But it's, uh, I think the Lakers are maybe have a better shot at finding a three and D wing than or they a would. Two guard. Yeah. Because you're um, talking more about a developmental player, right? Rather than somebody who's kind of fully cooked. Well, there's just no, no one well, there. There's just no one there. I mean, Rafael and I, but Rafael mainly, he, he, he's dug into this, but 
even when I'm doing my uh, mock drafts on popculturecosmos.com, there's just nothing there at 25 to, to what, let's say 35, 25, 35, even 40. It's just no one there could do that, that stretch five, that big that you want to go ahead and, and develop into that kind of shooter. There's no one that's there now that, that, I think he oh. sees that, or I can see at that point in time. Yeah, no, I, was, I was looking for a preview of who you were going to take tomorrow at twenty nine. Oh well, uh, Gerald would have the Lakers pick. Okay, Pardon? he would have the Lakers pick. I think it would be a bad for me to pick for the Lakers, as you know, when I'm rooting against them right now. So, well, with ten guys, <laughs> we just want to make sure it's fair and fun. But yeah, I, I know, I know, Raphael will try to work it so that I get the Lakers pick. So let's hope that's the case. And you I better I'll... make a pick, Gerald. We're okay. counting on you. Oh, well, there's, we're still going to do more uh, mock drafts. I'm hoping that we'll get everybody out together. But remember, it all depends on who's available when you pick. When you're 28th, you're at the mercy of 27 other teams making bad choices Bull before Bull, you. man. <laughs> Bull Bull. Well, yeah, don't even start on Bull Bull. Okay, let's, he's been one of the few bright spots for Denver this bubble. So let's go ahead and He's barely played. Up. He got, he got eleven. He got eleven in the blowout loss yesterday. Yeah, it was fool's gold. He played yeah. when they had like nine guys active, and everybody fell in love with it. But yeah, I think the Lakers have a much better chance of getting a contributor on the wing than they do a big that can stretch the floor. Unless a guy like Jalen Smith falls, I think he has the potential to be a stretch five. He shot about thirty six percent from three this year, but. I would I would be looking for in order to make crack the rotation, I would think you'd have to be a knockdown yeah. shooter. He'll I think he'll get there, but to contribute right away as a as a rookie, I don't it's gonna be tough for any rookie to crack the rotation. Yeah. I mean What do you think of what do you think about their MLE? They got nine and a half million dollars to spend on uh, somebody, some veteran, maybe a veteran center who can stretch the floor. I, I don't. I mean, what do you do with Dwight? Is Javale under contract for next year? Yeah, Dwight's a free it's agent. Two year. Yeah, it depends on what you do with Dwight. Is Cousins coming back? I mean, I, I think that's the the plan. I think they're only going to be able to keep one, Cousins or Dwight. And I think Dwight yeah. is going to be the one that's most wanted. I think Dwight. Will, I think Golden State's going to go hard for Dwight. I'm, I've said it all year. I may be wrong, but I think Golden State has seen Dwight in this performance, and I think that if they don't get the type of five that, that they really want, that, uh, you know what, they're going to go ahead for someone like Dwight if they don't get James Wiseman. I really think that's going to happen. I was going to say that's definitely a possibility, Gerald, but what I'll say is I don't think Dwight's place on the Warriors in that sense would be as synergistic as his place is with the Lakers. The Lakers really don't ask Dwight to do anything than what he's really good at. But again, ask- this is Dwight we're dealing with, and now that he we he did this year, oh, no doubt no he doubt. did this year gratis, you know, basically for free yeah. for him. He's now going to look to say, "Hey, I can be a team player now. I'm looking for my own." So, I mean, Rafael, I think is and and Laker Tom has seen this over the years, and I'm sure you have as well with Dwight being Dwight. And even some glimpses since we come back from the bubble to where Dwight is being Dwight. So you're going to forgive me if I'm going to say he's probably less likely to return to the Lakers just because he's going to be a wanted individual because of what we're seeing from his performance right now. He may want to become a starter one more time in the league. So again, 
Go ahead. Boston should look at him. There I think go. Boston should look at him. I think Whiteside is going to be a free agent. Well, I know he's going to be a free agent, but I think he could be available. But I believe Cousins is going back to the Lakers. Unless wow. another team gives him a really nice offer, which I doubt coming off of. Why would they at this point in time, you know, with everything that's gone down and all the injuries? Yeah. And then he didn't even play in the bubble. Um, I, think it's, I think it's likely to be because I actually think the Lakers may trade JaVale. I don't think JaVale would have much value because I think he's a guy that he's only played well throughout his career. If it was a contract year or he was on a championship team without a long-term deal and he was kind of playing limited minutes. I think if he's has security <laughs> and you give then, him a lot of minutes, well, yeah, maybe salary filler more than anything else. I think that they, you know, I, 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 okay, Tom, I know you want to trade to Vail, but I don't think you'll get your wish. <laughs> I forgot that's this a, little incident behind that. Yeah, let's, let's just put it out there. Okay, Tom and JaVale are just not happening Danny right now. Danny Green and JaVale. What, 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 what will you give me for Danny Green and JaVale? Oh, you know what? If you throw Rondo out in that trade, you're all good. Speaking of Rondo, who leaked that he had back spasms? I, w- I would have not told the media. I would have not told anybody that. Then they had the camera. He was in a chair and looked like he was in pain. <laughs> I'm straight ISO him. As soon as he comes on the court, we're going to test that back out. I just think it was bad for the play for Monday. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll a quick one. Uh, we'll see indeed. But it is coming up on Monday. It is the Lakers and Blazers. Uh, game two has gone the Lakers way. Game three has also gone the Lakers' way as well, 116-108. to 108. The Lakers are up 2-1 in the series. We'll be back on Monday for a full Lakers-Blazers recap, plus also the day in NBA playoffs. But tomorrow, it'll be Raphael and I also as well coming up on social media all over the place, not only for an NBA Day 7 playoff recap, but also as well, we're coming up at noon Pacific time. So check out for it on Raphael's site, NBA Draft Junkies, and also the Lakers Fast Break, and also various Facebook groups out there. Go ahead and check out our NBA Draft. Also want to give you a heads up. We're going to be also taping tomorrow for Monday our awesome Pop Culture Cosmos where you have an update on everything that went on today at the DC fandom. And my gosh, there was a lot of things going on there. If you're into your DC comics, plus so much more in pop culture, check out the Pop Culture Cosmos on Monday on your favorite podcast outlet. But if you have any questions for us, it's at Lakers Fast Break, at Barlow 500, at NBA Draft Junkies, at Laker Tom on Twitter. And then also, Sean, do you have a Twitter handle as well? No, not as of yet, Gerald. You might be the smartest man in the group here if you don't have any Twitter handles, because at least nobody can get back at you. Nobody can get back (laughs) at you, especially Knicks fans. But we won't go there either. (laughs) All right, guys, it's been great talking to you. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. It is, once again, the Lakers over the Portland Trailblazers, 116-108, taking a 2-1 lead in the playoff series. We'll be back at you with more NBA playoff coverage tomorrow and the Lakers-Blazers Game 4 wrap-up on Monday, right here on the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.